Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Woe is Media. You got Alyssa, you got Annabelle, you got stories about business and entertainment. We're hitting all the stops here on this podcast. Annabelle, what are you talking about this week? We are back and we are here to talk about some M&A activity in the food and beverage sector. M&A being mergers and acquisitions. If you're not familiar with that little, um, what's the word? Phrase. Acronym. <laughs> M&A acronym. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Coca-Cola made a big buy this week. And then we're also going to talk about, this is not something we typically cover on the podcast, but because the Atlanta Braves are the reigning World Series champions, we're going to get into the business side of baseball because I didn't know about this and I wanted to learn about it being both a business person and a sports fan. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and kind of understand why baseball makes money. What about you? What have you got? Well, sadly, as I just informed Annabelle, it was a very slow week in entertainment. So we will be talking about um, the tragedy that happened in Houston this past weekend, as well as we're going to end on a high note and we're going to talk about um, a new movie that's coming out that has just announced their two main leads. I'm sorry ahead of time because this is going to be sad guys this story is entitled inside astroworld during a friday night travis scott performance at the rappers astroworld festival this past weekend eight people died in a tragic accident around 9 30 p.m the audience rushed forward in response to scott beginning his performance causing panic among concert goers 17 people were taken to local hospitals, 11 um, went into cardiac arrest at the scene, and 300 individuals were treated for injuries on site. The reason for the surge remains to be seen, um, other than just pure excitement of seeing the, I don't know if you could call him headliner, but he, uh, the organizer of the event performing. Um I was not on shift when this happened. So a lot of people were like asking me like, what happened? What's going on? And I was like, I was asleep guys. Like I, I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I woke up and I did my own research. Uh, I will say I got a lot of my information from CNN, um, Huffington post, um, Washington post, a few local, um, TV channels and stations around the area. So shout out to them. And I will be providing links at the end of this uh, for other things that we'll get into in a second. Criminal investigation has been launched into the tragedy by the Houston Police Department. This is involving both the homicide and the narcotics division. So we've been told that there were nefarious drug users involved in this, but we don't know exactly like what that entails. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be, it could not be like, it could turn out that there was no drug instances involved in what happened, but I can tell you 25 people were arrested at the event, Mm -hmm. uh, 23 of which were considered trespassers and were not allowed on the grounds of the um, festival. And for those of you who may not know, Travis Scott is originally from the Houston area. He's from a smaller um, city in the Harris County division called, well, actually it might be Fort Bend, but it's Missouri city, but he grew up within 
obviously the Houston metropolitan area. And a few years ago, 2018, he released a album called Astro World, which is in tribute to a former theme park in the Houston area that was Six Flags Astro World. It no longer exists. Um, but he did it in response to like his city, he was doing something. And as a response to the album's success, he decided to co-op the name Astro World and create it into a music festival near NRG, which is where the Texans play and where I don't believe that's where Six Flags Astro World used to be, but it's a big area and it's well known for like being sites of like festivals and gatherings and whatnot. So it's a it's a good spot. He has released a statement regarding the incident. Quote, my prayers go out to the families and all those impacted by what happened at Astro World Festival. Houston PD has my total support as they continue to look into the tragic loss of life. I am committed to working together with the Houston community to heal and support the families in need. Thank you to Houston PD, Fire Department, and NRG Park for their immediate response and support, unquote. And in the week leading up to um, Astro World, he's been here all week. Um, he gives back to the community a lot here in Houston. And like, I'm not going to sit here and like pretend like I'm Travis Scott's biggest fan, but I will say uh, in the week leading up to Astroworld, I was very impressed with how much community outreach he was doing. He launched a garden program at a local elementary school in a less developed area. And he named it after his grandmother, who was also at the unveiling with him. And it's to be able to not only provide food um, for the school, like on hand, but also mm -hmm. be able to help establish a positive relationship with children and food, like be able to show them like where it comes from and how it's processed and do all that. He also held a benefit um, softball game at Minute Maid that featured a couple of celebrities. I do know um, Kendall Jenner, his partner's sister was in attendance and played. Um, but that was all for charity as well. So I was really impressed with how that went. And now I feel I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very indifferent to this because I feel like, yes, there could have been things that prevented this from happening, obviously, but you know, no one, no one creates a festival with the intent of someone dying at it. No, of course not. Yeah. So that's been my like personal, um, roller coaster of emotions with Astroworld. Um, obviously the rest of the event was subsequently canceled with organizers issuing refunds to all ticket holders for Friday and Saturday's events. Live Nation, the organizer has delayed ticket sales for Billy Joel's September 2022 Minute Maid performances out of respect for the Houston community. They were supposed to go on sale Friday, Friday or Saturday. And they said, we're not even going to talk about that right now because it's disrespectful. Over a dozen lawsuits have been filed against Scott and concert organizers as of Monday. And um, to, to end this, I don't really, obviously this is an ongoing investigation and we, our hearts and prayers go out to the families of the victims. So I would just like to uh, go over a very quick synopsis of who these people were, because yes, all eight victims have been identified at this moment. And I'm going to go uh, from youngest to oldest. They were all under 30, if I'm remembering correctly. You are correct. The youngest was 14 and the oldest was 27. 
I mean, it's like any sort of untimely or accidental death like that is always tragic, but especially when it's really young people who probably had a very rich life ahead of them, especially a teenager at 14, that's extremely upsetting. So I'm glad you're adding this human element to it. So 14-year-old John Hilgert was a freshman at Memorial Heights or Memorial High School in Houston. 16-year-old Brianna Rodriguez was a junior at Heights High School in Houston. She had a passion for dancing and a GoFundMe has been established uh, by her family for funeral expenses. I will include it in the show notes. 20-year-old Jacob Jarenke was a junior studying journalism at Southern Illinois University Carbondale and was considered a, quote, creative, intelligent young man with a promising career, unquote. 21-year-old Franco Patino was a senior at the University of Dayton in Texas, I believe, studying mechanical engineering technology and human movement biomechanics. He was a member of Alpha Psi Lambda, which I believe is a Hispanic Latino interest fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always made time for the people that he cared about. 21-year-old Axel Acosta Avia was a computer science major at Western Washington University. A GoFundMe has also been established in his name. I will include it along with Brianna's. 23-year-old Rodolfo Pena was an alumnus of Laredo College in Texas, and his brother has established a GoFundMe for his funeral expenses. Once again, it will be included in the show notes. 23-year-old Madison Dubisky studied advertising and marketing at the University of Mississippi and was originally from Cyprus, which is also considered part of the Houston metro area. It's about 20 or 30 minutes away from where my parents live. Um, she was, I believe she was a cheerleader. Like I read a whole story about her and she seemed to be a very active member of the community. And it was obviously all of these people are very sad, but just like Annabelle said, seeing all the potential in these younger individuals, it's terrible. And last but not least, 27 year old, uh, Danish Baig, Baig, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. Um, he died while trying to save his fiance from the crowd surge. He was originally from Ulysses, Texas, and his fiance did survive and is currently recovering in a local hospital. So I'm glad one of them survived. Yes. And I, I apologize for starting off on such a sour note. I just, I feel like it needed to be talked about because especially, you know, me personally, I'm not a fan of like music festivals or live music. I love to go and support artists, but I am claustrophobic. And this is the kind of stuff that my nightmares are made of because obviously, you know, people get rowdy at music festivals and they push and they shove and they don't care as long as they get closest to the stage. And it's, it's, it's a very concerning, um, situation here in Houston so I'm sure I'll be talking about it all this week at work yeah I hope it's like a lesson to people who do go to these types of events that everybody wants to be at the front but you know what is at what cost you know if, if something like this is going to happen um and I don't like you said we're not 100% sure about like the drug usage and stuff like that that was involved here but if you do go to these events and you choose to participate in that kind of activity and use, 
and I don't know, you're not in a hundred percent your normal headspace. And then you start making like decisions like this, where you're joining in on a crowd surge or something like that, your actions like that can really affect other people as we've seen here. Um, and people may not be able to protect themselves. So just, you know, PSA to be responsible, Please. um, you know, make, make good choices. We're not saying don't go to festivals or don't engage and stuff like that, but you know, just use your best judgment, be smart, be smart and mindful. Yep. Sorry. Don't be selfish either. Correct. Try and look out for others if you can. Yes, please. Especially the young ones. Yeah. These festivals. So, yeah. All right. So my first story is called Coke's Blockbuster Buy. Ooh. Sounds like so, a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Coca-Cola, local Atlanta company. We're staying local with my stories this week. I was about to say, she's very proud of where she comes from. I am, I am. And look, you just did a Houston story. Yeah, and at what cost? It was very depressing. Well, okay, fair. But anyway, I mean, uh, Travis Scott's a Houston artist. Yes. It could have happened anywhere. It could have, yes, absolutely. And one of these days I'll have fun news to report out of Houston. I feel like ever since I moved here, things have just been death, 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 and despair. So hopefully that's not my doing. No, I doubt it. The light at the end of the tunnel is hopefully coming. Please, Jesus. So Coca-Cola, they have acquired sports drink body armor. They did this last Monday and this purchase cost $5.6 billion. So pretty expensive here. Mm-hmm. And it is Coca-Cola's biggest acquisition that they've ever made in their entire history of operation. And we know Coke's been around for quite a while. Cool. So $5.6 billion for sports strength body armor. It should be known that Coca-Cola was involved with this company. They had 15% ownership of body armor prior to this big acquisition. And this acquisition that they made was just purchasing the remaining 85% of it. Like they wanted full control over it. Um, And they've been involved with body armor since 2018. So they've kind of been like growing their relationship for the past three years. And they've decided that this is where they want to invest some of their money and their resources. So body armor currently it's valued at 8 billion total. So just for that one sports trick brand, $8 billion. So that's pretty valuable. Yes. Um, Kobe Bryant, may he rest in peace. He was kind of one of the original investors in Body Armor way back in 2013. He got on the board of this and put in a lot of money. And it's kind of exciting for his family because with this sale of Body Armor to Coke, the Bryant family estate is going to receive $400 million (laughs) from the sale. So Kobe definitely got a big return on his investment for his family. So that's very exciting for them. Obviously doesn't make up for the tragedy that happened to Kobe Bryant and his daughter, but hopefully they can do um, some good things with the money. Yes. Um, so have you tried body armor before? No, but I know of it. I'm not really a like sports drink kind of person. You know me, I drink water and seltzer water and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Alyssa doesn't like, she's very conscious of like drinking sugars and dyes and stuff like that because she's healthier than me I'm a diehard Gatorade person I should probably switch to body armor after reading about all this because Gatorade is like a lot of sugar but also Gatorade was made by the people at the University of Florida how dare you I know I know but it's better than Powerade it just is naturally we had to call our stuff Gatorade yeah I mean I remember that I know that commercial okay Florida Gators are struggling in the punishing heat. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, if you didn't know that, the Gatorade, which is owned by PepsiCo, it was created at the University of Florida, which is why it's called Gatorade. Well, but um, don't endorse it for that reason. I just like the taste of it. But anyway, um, body armor is like better for you than these other <laughs> Powerade Gatorade options. Um, it contains potassium, electrolytes, and antioxidants within the drink, and it has no artificial colors or sweeteners. So it's a lot more like health conscious, low calorie, and includes all of the stuff that you sweat out. I think the other sports drinks on the market do have like electrolytes, but I don't think they have antioxidants or anything like that in them. So this is like a more complete drink, I guess. Um, and sales of body armor have exploded since 2018. Like it's just been a very big commodity that people have been purchasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should be known that this is kind of like a trifecta on the sports drink market. I mean, really the only big players here are Powerade, Gatorade, and Body Armor. The three of them make up 95% of all sports drink sales. So it's pretty much a triopoly, if you will. <laughs> um, and it's pretty dominated within the three by Gatorade. Gatorade makes up 64% of the sales. And as I said earlier, Gatorade is owned by PepsiCo, which is obviously the rival to Coca-Cola. They hate each other. Another reason why we should not stand. Yeah, also fair. You're either like Pepsi or you're Coke. It's hard to be both. Um, And most people in the South or listen, I live are Coke people because that's where the company is headquartered. But, um, and Body Armor recently passed Powerade for its percentage of sales within the sports drink market. So Body Armor now has 18% of the sales where Powerade only has 13% of the sales. Hmm. So now that Coke owns Body Armor, Coke has both the number two and number three biggest sports drinks in the market behind Gatorade to try and potentially catch up and like better compete with Gatorade. Uh So the whole reason that Coke decided to make this acquisition and the whole reason that it bought 15% of body armor back in 2018 was because it kind of wanted to see how body armor would compete with Powerade. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was sort of like a let's test two of our brand against this other brand we're interested in. Yeah. Kind of let them duke it out. And Body Armor proved to be the more successful brand, at least recently, especially with more trends going toward like health conscious products. It kind of makes sense that Body Armor was the one that ended up being stronger in recent history. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Body Armor has outperformed Powerade. So Coke was like, all right, let's add it to our portfolio. So they purchased it. So sales for body armor are expected to be 1.4 billion this year. They're expected to go up as people spend a lot of time outdoors still with the pandemic and, but also organized sports come back and we see, you know, like professional athletes going back on tour and, you know, traveling for games and stuff like that. Sales are expected to go up. Um, And Coke has also been really trying to diversify its portfolio and overhauling things that are just not getting it the sales that it needs Mm -hmm. did you ever see that coke made an energy drink i'm sure i did what was the name of it coca-cola plus energy let me look up you know i'm a visual learner (laughs) well they killed it like it's it's not on the market anymore because it was not selling very well but i can like look up a picture of it to see if Uh i recognize it yes i do remember this actually Yeah, but it didn't do very well. So Coke is like 
being pretty ruthless in terms of they want to add things that are going to make them money and they want to get rid of things that are not making them money. And then they have the steady things that are, you know, going to continually make them money. If you look at like a product matrix, when companies are trying to decide like what to keep and get rid of in their portfolio, there's something called a star, which is like when it's a new product and you have to invest money into it, but it's going to make you a lot of sales. That's probably what body armor is for Coke in this case. Mm -hmm. And then you have your cash cows, which are things that like, they're good the way they are. You're not going to touch them too much because they steadily just, you know, bring you a lot of income. So this would be like Coke, Diet Coke, all that jazz. And then you have your dogs, which are things that are just not making the money for you. And in this case, that would be the energy, Coca-Cola energy drink. So yeah, that's um, a little bit of a marketing business lesson for you guys. <laughs> but um, That's kind of what Coke is doing is trying to look at their portfolio and see where they can make cuts and where they can make acquisitions. Um, they're also trying to provide a healthier and wider array of drinks because they're known as like a soda company. But Alyssa doesn't drink soda. I don't drink soda. A lot of people are trying to cut soda out or cut back on soda. So it's probably better for them to kind of get some options that are not quite so sugary and not quite so fizzy. So this is a good acquisition for them. Um, in terms of the people involved with this buy, um, the founder of Body Armor, his name is Mike Repol. Um, and he is still going to be somewhat involved going forward now that Coke has acquired Body Armor. Um, he's trying to get a seat on the board. We'll see if that happens or not. I don't think the Coke CEO is like crazy about that, but he'll be somewhat involved with the body armor division. Um, and he also founded Smart Water, Vitamin Water, and Energy Brands, all of which are now bought by Coke, which I think this is kind of funny because I feel like this man is doing all of the work for Coke and Coke's like, we'll take that. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, literally. And they're not, they're not giving him a board seat. Like he doesn't seem to have a ton of control over the brands and stuff like that, but he's like made all these ideas. And I'm not saying he's a victim in this situation because I'm sure he's made a ton of money off of selling these brands to Coke, Yeah. but it's still kind of funny that he's doing the actual work on the product and the creation of it. And Coke is just purchasing it. <laughs> so um, must be nice to be a big business with a lot of money and deep pockets where you can just kind of you know, acquire things at will here. Um, so there are a lot of athletes that are also partnered with Body Armor, including, again, we're going to keep it local, uh, Atlanta Hawks basketball star Trey Young, <gasps> Atlanta Braves reigning um, World Series champion, even though he was injured for the back half of the season, Ronald Acuna, he's our right fielder. My boy. Um, James Harden, who, who used to play in Houston, but now he plays in Brooklyn. We don't uh, like Naomi, him, sorry. <laughs> the big beard guy. Not a fan. Um, Naomi Osaka is a tennis player. Mike Yay. Trout, who is the highest paid player in Major League Baseball right the now, Angels. I believe. Mm -hmm. Plays for the Angels. Um, let's see who else. Kyler Murray, who's the current QB for the Arizona Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And Alyssa's favorite, Megan Rapino, U.S. women's soccer star. Also non-athletes that are partner with Body Armor include Carrie Underwood and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, okay, J-Lo. So Body Armor is not shy about getting celebrities on board with their marketing. And it makes sense because it's a sports drink. So you want active people yes. advertising it for you. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of athletes in their portfolio. These are just some of the highlights of the more famous ones and the people who are close to home in Atlanta. So oh, yeah. yeah, I also have not tried Body Armor. I should probably drink some of it instead of Gatorade, but- I'm gonna look up their like flavors. We'll 
they have a lot of flavors and it's things that are they sound more natural and fruity like they have like mango mm-hmm. and you know it's not like oh like mountain berry blast or whatever the you know. first person that pops up when I went to their website is Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> Which honestly, like you said, like she's not an athlete, but she is like one of the celebrities that I always think of when I think of like fit, you know? She dances a lot yes. in her videos and like, yeah, I mean. Do you remember sure. when like vitamin water was it? Yeah, it used to be a really big thing and it was like aggressively branded in a lot of TV shows at the time. Like there was all that product placement and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I do remember that. I was never a big fan of vitamin water. I didn't really like the taste. Oh, me neither. But I remember like my middle school got a like vitamin water vending machine and it was all that anyone like cared about. And I was just like, this stuff tastes like dookie, but okay. I, I agree with you there. I was not a fan. But that's what I've got on Coke and Bonnie Armor. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm going to bring it up a little bit. And I've cleverly titled this story, Getting Your Shiz Together. Like it? Does that give you any clue about what we're going to talk about? Getting your shiz together. Showbiz? You're on the right track. I'm not sure what the movie would be called. All right, so director John Chu of In the Heights fame has announced the two leads in his upcoming Wicked adaptation for Universal Pictures. Oh, Shiz the Wiz. And the name of the university that they go to in Wicked is called Shiz, so. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Dear old Shiz. Shiz. So Cynthia Arrivo of Harriet and Bad Times at the El Royale is going to be playing Elphaba, aka the Wicked Witch of the West. And she is well-versed in musicals. She actually won a Tony for her performance in The Color Purple on Broadway a few years ago. This is for Annabelle. Ariana Grande will be playing Galinda slash Glinda. Woohoo! That's a good choice, actually. Mm-hmm. I like it. So she loves Wicked. She actually performed The Wizard and I as part of the show's televised anniversary celebration back in 2018. Like she's been campaigning for this role for the longest time. And I personally, I'm really excited that they didn't choose just two white people. I'm really excited that, you know, they looked past skin color for these two individuals because, you know, they're not related. So you could really do whatever you want with them, but obviously showbiz as we know it and Hollywood loves to just go for the white actresses. So I'm really excited that Cynthia Arrivo has been able to give this opportunity because I think her vocals are going to kill as Elphaba. Like I can just see it now. I'm really excited to hear how she takes on defying gravity. I'm not that girl. I just think she's got a great voice, honestly. I, I did not see Harriet and I have not seen bad times at the El Royale, but her version of this old heart of mine, which was on the bad times at El Royale soundtrack is one of my favorite songs. It was one of my most played of either 2019 or 2018. Like it's really good. So. Very nice. Yeah. It's a good cast so far. (laughs) So far. That's all that we have 
for cast wise um the original composer for these shows steven schwartz and the original book writer winnie holtzman are collaborating on the screenplay mark platt will be producing and production is set to begin next summer in the uk and i'm really excited like i remember you know growing up as a theater child i liked wicked but i always kind of thought it was overrated and I got to see it on Broadway, Humble Brag, um, a few years ago before COVID shut down. It it changed my mind completely. I was like, okay, this is what everybody has been talking about. Like this, this is the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember we, so my dad used to be a gifted teacher and he would always take his kids to New York to study um, the economy with the stock exchange, as well as immigration with um, I Island. Staten Island, Ellis Island. Yeah. Um, Staten so, Island's also in New York. I mean, yeah, but they, not not a mass hub of immigration. <laughs> no. But for his last run before he retired from public education, me and my mom both went on the trip with him, and we went to go see Wicked with the kids, and my cousin who's a grown man and has children of like middle school age he went on the trip with us and I was like kind of worried about how he would see wicked because he's very you know like stern manly man like grow like grow up on the farm and whatnot and I remember after defying gravity obviously is the act one closer um and then it went straight to intermission. He was sitting like a few rows down from us and he immediately like turned around and was like, like holding up his thumb. He was like, this is great. So I was like, okay, good. We love that. So I don't really have much on this story. Um, I do, I do know that a movie about Wicked has, well, not about Wicked, but a movie adaptation of Wicked has been in the works since 2004. Mm-hmm. So this is a long time coming. Yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. John Chu just recently got attached to um, the project, I believe in February. And in August of 2018, Universal put the film on hold due to production scheduling and actually gave um, the film adaptation of Cats. Ooh, that release, was a bust. The release date formally held by Wicked. And as we all know, Cats was one of the biggest box office bombs in history. Mm-hmm. Um, could have told you that before it came out, literally. Yeah, every- seriously. Just li- I never saw it, but looking at the trailer, I was like, I'm not seeing this. Yuck. Literally every time something came out about Cats, I remember just being like, I can't wait to watch this dumpster fire. Did you ever see the stage production of Cats? No, I haven't. So my middle school... My middle school was like K through 12, but I I only went there up until eighth grade. But anyway, they had a big theater department and the high school put on Cats one year and they always did an incredible job with whatever show they did. They put a ton of money into theater and they always had good costumes, and a lot of talent and stuff like that. But I still didn't like it. Like the people in it were talented and it looked good and all that. But Cats is like, it's about Cats, obviously, but it's based on all these poems from Andrew Lloyd Webber so each like character cat has a song so they're not which is the poem so there's not really a plot it's just all the different songs the poems are actually from t.s Eliot. 
But oh, I said was, Andrew Lloyd Webber, didn't I? Oops. But it was adapted by Andrew Lloyd Webber for stage. So you were, you're there. Okay, my bad. No, you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Yes, thank you for checking me there. Um, <laughs> you're fine. Don't want to sound like an idiot on my I'm own podcast. I'm if you didn't know. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that in at every opportunity. Just shove it down y'all's throats that I was yes. a thespian. No, yes. honestly- I think that's the main reason Cats is as popular as it was because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I I have yet to meet anyone that like genuinely enjoyed Cats. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm also just not a cat person by nature. So the <gasps> idea of like watching a lot of people dress as cats prancing around a stage doesn't really appeal to me, but. Jellicle Cats, Jellicle Cats. Yeah, yeah, that's, um. But yeah, I mean, Wicked, like I, I have not seen it on Broadway, but I saw it when it came to the Fox in Atlanta and mm-hmm. it was a really good show. Um, I used to listen to the music growing up and the the people who are in it just have to have incredible vocal range and you have to be, the music is very moving. And one of the songs on the soundtrack, not to trigger Alyssa too much, but it's it's something we sing in one of our <laughs> sorority rituals. Um, but it, it's always very sweet that that song that we do sing so yeah I've I've found memories and am I wrong in feeling like it's I don't want to say a trend but like lately they've been remaking a lot of like musicals and shows into movies no you're absolutely right I'm actually I have a little snippet about that that I'm gonna get to I would like to say that um the song that she's referring to is my favorite song in the musical. And when we were rushing or recruitment, um, that was one of the main reasons that I picked the sorority that we, that we both ended up in because mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, this is a sign. Cause right. like, I, cause not every like sorority has like a, a song from Broadway involved in their rituals. And I was just like, this is a sign that I belong here. But, um, So like I said, it was originally scheduled to come out in December 2019, but obviously Cats took its place. And in um, February of 2019, Universal announced a new release date of December 22nd, 2021. Obviously that's not happening, but I think now it's going to be Christmas 2022 or so. I'm still struggling to find when. Because I do know that production is set to begin in this in this upcoming summer 2022 in the UK. So it may be ready by Christmas. It may not. It depends on, you know, what all has to happen in post-production. But um, the, it was also put on hold because of the COVID pandemic. So yeah, that's why it's not coming out in 2021 because COVID came and took that away. Mm-hmm. And I would like to share with you that there has been a petition created (laughs) um, in honor of Wicked, the musical. Um, For those of you who are familiar with James Corden, Ah, he has been involved in a ton of recent um, stage to screen adaptations of very popular musicals. He's been in Into the Woods, The Prom, what else? Cinderella most recently. There's one more that I can't think of right now. He wasn't in In the Heights, was he? No, he was not. He was he was in Cats. How did I forget that? Oh, oh yeah. So is Taylor Cats. Swift and Jason Derulo, by the way. Never forget. <laughs> but 
a petition has been created and posted on change.org directly addressing Universal and saying, do not put James Corden in this movie. Oh my gosh, that's funny. And it literally just the, the petition states simply, quote, James Corden is in no way, shape, or form should be in or near the production of Wicked the movie. That's pretty much it, unquote. That's funny. And I would like to tell you that I clicked on the link and while we've been talking, it has been climbing. Like the 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 number is increasing. It is already at 67,538 signatures. Do people just not like him as an actor? Personally speaking, um I'm not a fan. I don't think he has a great vocal range. You know, he doesn't really bring that much to the stage. I'm not a big fan of his. Um, and after, you know, the prom, he played um, the gay character and he himself is a straight man. You could have easily found a, a gay right? who has yeah. the same vocal range to play that character. I also just, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of his. Um, he, uh, this is once again, personally, um, he's, he used to act like he was, I, we haven't talked about them in a while, but he used to act like he was on BTS's like best friends list. Like he used to be like, oh my God, they're my favorite people. Blah, 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 blah. And then he went and kind of like, not, not talk shit, but like, like bad mouth them like on his show. And like when their album came out last year, they were like, oh, what's your favorite song on the album? And he was like, I love Dynamite. And it's like, obviously you love Dynamite because it's been out for a few months. What's what, like, did you even listen to the album? So he just doesn't seem like a genuine person in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have that much talent to be starring in all of these movies. So, but that's okay. just me. That's fair. I didn't mind him in Into the Woods, but that I will say, I feel like he got carried because Anna Kendrick is in that cast. Emily Blunt is in that cast. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, Chris Pine. Um, I can't remember the girl's name who played Little Red Riding Hood, but I thought she was pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was, that was a pretty solid cast all around. So I don't think, I mean, he played like the Bakers, or he played the Baker, excuse me. Yes. And it's not, like it's an important role, but I, I feel like the women in that show are a little bit stronger than the men. Mm -hmm so yeah so but yeah no this will be exciting if they're filming in the summer I have a hard time thinking that it would be ready by Christmas yeah especially if they have to film abroad mm -hmm. but you never know but that would be a good Christmas time film to go see with the fam we love we love a musical that comes out around Christmas I'm reminded of Annabelle's personal favorite Les Miserables Les Mis, yeah <laughs> That was, yeah, that was, that came out, I think, in 2014, 2013. I think it was, I think it was 2013 or Christmas 2012, I think. You're right. 2012. But yeah, that's all I have for Wicked. So nice. exciting. Are you more of an Elphaba or a Galinda? I feel like I'm Elphaba because I'm, I don't want to say I'm punk rock, but I'm a little more alternative than like you <laughs> <laughs> a 
that's fair. <laughs> Sorry. That that sounded that sounded like a dig. I'm not trying to be dig, but I like I like more grungy things than Annabelle. This is edgier than me, guys. That's what she's trying to say. I mean, I do have multiple piercings, a tattoo, and I watch horror movies on the reg. So that's fair. I don't do any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Because I knew you. Oh God, here we go. Alyssa's gonna cry on so No, I'm not I'm not gonna sing on the podcast. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> um, all right, so my final story is called The Business of Braves Baseball. Yes. So I hope that people do not find this story too boring because I know not everybody is a sports fan. And even if you are a sports fan, you may not be a baseball fan. Um, but I wanted to talk about this. It's not too long, but it's just something that I personally wanted to research. So I thought I'd share it with everybody. Um, but as we saw last week, the Atlanta Braves have clinched the 2021 world series. Woo! We beat the Houston Astros in game six with a score of seven to zero. We won four games to two. Yes. Very exciting. We won on the road in Houston's Minute Maid Park. And this was the first world series title for the Atlanta Braves franchise since 1995. So it's the first one in our active lifetime that we've been able to witness. So super exciting. It's been a long time. It was one of the longest droughts Mm -hmm. since, you know, Chicago broke their 108 year (laughs) drought back in 2016. Yeah. That was a long one. Um, I don't know if that record will ever be broken. We'll see, but yeah. Anyway, our drought thankfully is over. Yay. Um, And it's kind of funny with how they got there because the team has they have the worst season record of all of the teams who made it to the postseason. Like they kind of just squeaked through. Mm-hmm. I was joking that they're kind of like that, that team member on a group project who shows up at the very end to get the A. That's pretty much exactly what they did. Yeah. Not to say that they didn't work hard all year, but like you never would have, like we were to say we were a dark horse is a really big understatement. Like nobody ever thought we would take it all the way. Like the Dodgers were the team that everybody thought would take it. And the Dodgers did make it far, but they couldn't make it past us. So I keep saying us like I did anything. Um, I'm just an active fan and supporter. But Then you did something. I've Your also been a lifelong fan. Like I've Your never love got them any, there. I've never rooted for any other baseball team. Oh, is uh, that a read? Is that a read, Miss Ma'am? No. It's just <laughs> a statement about me. I, Alyssa has multiple loyalties based on where she's lived. It's okay. I just thought it was funny. I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't mean anything by that. I just thought it was funny. You were like, and I've never rooted for any other team. Alyssa. I would also like to make it clear that I was rooting for them deep down in my heart because like Annabelle said, they have never won in our lifetime. And I was a Braves fan before I was an Astros fan. So I really wanted to see them pull it out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you know, Houston won back in 2017. So exactly. Yes. So we've had a more recent, um, game so yes so the braves they squeaked out the nl east division title over the phillies as late as september 30th so they that was when they finally knew they were going to go to the postseason they only won 88 regular season games compared to like the dodgers and the giants who were the two best teams in baseball in terms of record where they had like 107 112 like something like that they had far more wins under their belt than the Atlanta Braves did. Um, So how did they win it all with like such low expectations and what was seemingly the weakest team? So basically the answer is they made some serious money moves in the middle of the season. 
So the Braves general manager, his name is Alex Anthropolis, Anthopolis, excuse me, there's no R. Um, he took advantage of what's called the Major League Baseball trade deadline. So how it works is the deadline is pretty much the same every year. It's usually July 31st. And this is the last day that teams can add players to their rosters by making trades for players with other teams. So this year it happened to be July 30th instead of the 31st because there were a lot of Saturday games. I guess the 30th was prior to the Saturday and the 31st was a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And with all those games, it was going to be difficult for the trades to happen with all these active games going on. So there was a huge influx of players going back and forth between clubs. And this is the last time that, you know, if you've had injuries early in the season, if you feel like your pitching bullpen is just not doing what you want it to do, you can acquire more players. And what is interesting about baseball compared to other sports is there's no salary cap. So you do not have a maximum ceiling on how much money you can pay out to all of your players, which is why, as we've talked about in our little, or in my little rants, I should say, the Dodgers have a really, really high salary cap or not salary cap, excuse me, salary payroll, basically. They pay a ton of money and they have all this talent because they've shelled out the money for it, which is kind of unfortunate with how it works because it's not necessarily based on merit so much as it is money, but that's not always what prevails. As we saw, the Dodgers didn't win this year like they did last year. So with the deadline, um, this means that teams can place players on outright waivers after the deadline, that's the only thing that they're allowed to do. They can't do movement other than that. And the waivers just mean that whoever the new team is that grabs this player, they have to take on the player's remaining contract. So if this player signed a five-year contract and they've only served it for one year and it's for like $100 million, the team that picks up this player is like stuck with the remaining contract for the remaining year. So you have to make kind of a long-term investment most of the time. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened there. Um, so on July 10th, um, Ronald Acuna, who was the top of our batting order, he was just a big time slugger for the MLB. He was also our right fielder. So he was a good defensive player too. He tore his ACL, which is a really bad injury. It typically takes a full calendar year to recover from that. Yes. And that obviously ended a season. And there were other injuries on the team, including starting pitcher, Mike Soroka. He tore his Achilles twice. he tore it in a game and then he was almost ready to come back and he was like walking around the stadium and he like stepped on it funny and he tore it again jesus christ yeah so he was like rendered ineffective pretty much the entire season like we, uh, we did not really see him pitch at all which is really unfortunate um and then there was not an injury but outfielder marcelo zuna who was also a really big hitter and talented player but he and his wife um have some issues that you need to work through and he was um he there was some domestic abuse charges and he was arrested so he was dismissed from the team so yeah good riddance to that um so there were some like pretty big holes to fill and Alex Anthopoulos was like all right let's get to work here so before the trade deadline on July 30th he picked up Jock Peterson from the Cubs outfielder Eddie Rosario from the Cleveland now Guardians um, and Adam Duvall who is an outfielder we picked him up from Miami so those are kind of the big 
acquisitions, along with Jorge Soler, who ended up being the World Series MVP because he's a big time hitter. He was acquired from the Kansas City Royals. So those were four players that they picked up that all made a massive impact on the Braves with their postseason run. Um, and all of this was kind of funded by the Braves chairman. His name is Terry McGurk. So McGurk. McGurk. Yep. Um, so there's like kind of a list of the franchises and how valuable they are. Like from there's 30 teams in the MLB. So the Braves are currently the 11th most valuable franchise and Houston is 12th. So they're pretty similar. So it was kind of interesting that those were the teams that ended up making it all the way. The Braves have a valuation of 1.875 billion and Houston has a valuation of 1.7 billion. So big money in baseball. Um, And in terms of payroll, the Braves are the 12th highest. They have a current payroll total of 147.5 million. And Houston is fourth in terms of their payroll. They pay $194.5 million. It should be noted that all of these teams are far and away below both the Yankees and the Dodgers, who just have paid a ridiculous amount of money for their rosters. So, again, no salary cap in baseball. Um, And typically speaking, in baseball, teams who generate more revenue can afford better teams. So... The Dodgers, part of the reason that they're able to pay out all this money for this talent is because L.A. is a really, really big market. There are a lot of people there who love baseball. And even though they have two teams with the Angels and, you know, they have Oakland with the A's and the San Francisco Giants also in the state, L.A. is still a big market for baseball. Kind of the, you know, the L.A. sign, their logo is pretty iconic, like the boys in blue, whatever. Like, they're just a very popular franchise. Mm -hmm. When you have that popularity, you sell a lot of tickets. You get a lot of money from your merchandise. There's a huge market for, like, TV deals, sponsorship deals, all that kind of stuff. So that's how teams make money is they have all of this under their umbrella. And then they can, in turn, use that money to acquire the best talent or whoever they want that kind of fits into everything here. So the Braves are kind of middle of the road in terms of how much money they're worth, as well as how much money they shell out to players. But thankfully they were able to kind of get these players who really weren't doing too much on their current teams before they came to the Braves and the, the mix of all these players, they just like really worked from a personality perspective. So it was really cool. Um, Adam Duvall, who they acquired from Miami, he actually just won a Golden Glove Award for center field, which is pretty cool. Golden Glove means you are the best defensive player for your position for the year. And Atlanta Braves p- pitcher Max Freed, who was the one who closed it out in game six. He's also incredibly attractive, I might add. Big fan of Max Freed. He won the Golden Glove for pitchers. man. So. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, no, that's um, that's sort of how it works. Basically, the more money you can earn and the more loyal your fan base is, the more you can kind of acquire. So if you want your team to keep winning or if you want your team to do better, um, go to the ballpark, buy a ticket, you know, get get some merch, watch them on TV. That'll, you know, ultimately add to their bottom line, which will help them get players. I remember you showed me this man when we went to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can have him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen, I will never agree on men. We really won't. And I guess that's a good thing. But it is a good yeah. thing. That's okay. <laughs> we, we never have to fight over it. 
Also, I looked it up and um, would you like to take a guess as to what um, club is currently holding the record for longest drought without a title? Mm, is it the Rangers? It is not. They're up there. They're actually, I believe, second. Okay. Uh, let me think here. Um, I don't know. Miami? Nope. It is the Cleveland Guardians. Ah, uh, I should have known that. Okay. It has been 73 years since they brought home a title. Oh my gosh. 1948. Um, oh. Texas Rangers are second. They've never received a World Series title, but their franchise began in 1961. So they're sitting at 61 seasons. So. Well, fun fact. Nice. That's what I've got on the Braves and kind of the business there. If anybody's interested in learning more about that, um, I'd really recommend either reading or watching the movie Moneyball. Um, yes. Got a really good kind of explanation of moving players around and making the most of the money that you have and using the statistics to kind of get what you need. It's about Billy Bean and the Oakland A's and what they were able to accomplish there. It's got Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill in it, if you read mm-hmm. or if you watch the movie. But um yeah, very interesting. Do you have a smile file for us this week, Alyssa? It's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Emerson. He is, he doesn't mind me saying this on air. Let me think. It's 2021. He is 64, 64 wow. years old. So, and um, I'm just, he's been struggling a little bit lately with his health and so we're going in for another doctor's visit on Thursday so we're just we're we're perpetuating good vibes um in in the in the family so that's that's my big one for the day so and I also had a therapy session right before we got on this call uh with Annabelle so I was like I got on and I was like I feel great even though I like cried a little bit but what about you um, I would like to give a shout out to my little sister because she is about to enter this upcoming spring semester, her final semester of her master's program. She's getting her master's in social work and she got a graduate assistantship, which means she has to pay no tuition and gets a stipend. So yes. basically like a full ride for the semester. So we're super excited for her. Um, she's gonna go help out a lot of people yeah I could never be a social worker so I would rather do watch the office (laughs) that's saying something (laughs) yeah so we're very proud of Martha we're very proud of the Braves we will be back next week with new stories I already have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to talk about so get stoked for that hopefully there's a little bit less depressing news in the entertainment sector right We enjoyed learning about it regardless. Yeah. Um, Thank you guys for joining us. See you Mm. soon. Bye.